Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by a very special guest. She is the executive director of the Louisiana Center for the Blind in Ruston, Louisiana, as well as the vice president of the National Federation for the Blind, Pam Allen. Pam, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Great to have you. Why don't you start off basically by telling everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, and anything else that you might want the listeners to know to start off. All right. Well, great. Well, I am very glad to be here tonight, and I appreciate the work that you're doing to help keep us all connected and inspired during these challenging times. I have served as the executive director of the Louisiana Center for the Blind since 2001. And prior to that, I was our director of youth services. So had the opportunity to work with a lot of wonderful families, um, kids and adults and blind people of all ages through my work at the center. And very much an honor to serve as the president of our Louisiana affiliate of the NFB, as well as first vice president. And I am happily married. My husband and I just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary a couple days ago. And I um, have been very grateful for the opportunities that I've had in my life to learn from so many wonderful role models and great people and many of our graduates, just like you, Curveball. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, why don't you explain to people what the Louisiana Center for the Blind is? Because there might be people that might not understand sure. what you're talking about. All right. So our the Louisiana Center for the Blind was founded in 1985. So we, in October, actually just celebrated our 35th anniversary. And the founder of the center is Joanne Wilson. Um, and she started the center at a time in Louisiana and really in general in the country, there were not a lot of, there weren't any training centers for blind people who really wanted to challenge themselves and really work on building their skills of blindness. Um, Not just, not just getting better and more independent as a blind person, but also really helping a person, regardless of their age, understand that just because they happen to be blind, it didn't mean that they couldn't accomplish the goals that they had set for themselves. And so at the Louisiana Center for the Blind, uh, we support in all of our programs and embody the philosophy of the National Federation of the Blind. That is that blindness will not stop us from the living, living the lives that we want. And obviously, that takes instruction and skills of blindness. So we have classes in Braille and cane travel and technology in independent living skills, industrial arts, in job readiness and college readiness. Uh, We do a lot of different activities that help our students and our staff build confidence and challenge their fears and misconceptions about blindness. And we 
are very grateful to be connected with a nationwide group of blind people who are who serve as wonderful role models for our students that are employed in many many different careers and we have programs for blind people of all ages so whether it's um, a, a child a young a, an infant or a child or a young adult or an adult or a senior who's losing vision we serve people from all over the country in our programs so we're really fortunate to have an extremely dedicated team of staff and a great group of alumni who continue to serve and reach out to our students. So what was your life like before you joined the NFB or before you learned about the NFB? And what has it been like ever since you've got your training and your philosophy from the National Federation for the Blind? So I am, I would, I'm really fortunate. I, I grew up, I live in Louisiana now, but I'm originally from a suburb of Buffalo, New York. And I grew up on the youngest of six children. So I have a, a very thankful to have a, a big family and always had many um, positive experiences and great teachers when I was younger. My parents really challenged me to think about my blindness as just a characteristic. And I was very fortunate to have a strong education and to learn Braille when I was very young, um, which has helped me tremendously in my job and just in personally, since I love to read. Um, and I, for most of my life, going through school and into college and beyond, I was really, you know, the only blind person in my classes. I didn't, I didn't, I knew some other blind people, but off and on growing up, but I didn't really have many, I didn't know many, many blind people who were older, who were employed, who were raising families, who were living independently. And so when I um, entered college, about halfway through college, I received um, an invitation to a seminar for blind college students that was being put on by the National Federation of the Blind in Ohio, where I was in school. And I decided to go because I was really curious about a lot of different questions, you know. I I knew that my blindness was just a characteristic, and everybody, my family, and my all people around me had encouraged me. But I also knew that there were a lot of people in the world who doubted me and thought just because I was blind that I wasn't able to do a lot of the things that I knew I could do. But you know, it's easy sometimes to fall into self doubt when people around you aren't sure what you're capable of. And so I really decided I needed to meet other blind people and learn and share and find out how they were handling things. And so I went to the seminar and I found out about the NFB and I found out about a lot of different opportunities and scholarship programs for college students. And um, I found out about the Louisiana Center for the Blind. And it and I didn't I was very fortunate to do an internship at the center. And I recognized by observing other people, I thought, you know, I could really benefit from this training. And so I ended up um, going to training myself after I finished college and um, realizing all of the benefits that it had to offer because it really pushed me out of my comfort zone and allowed me to not just say that blindness was a characteristic, but to really internalize that and believe it. And, and most importantly, share that with other people. Well, let's talk about the bigger organization, the National Federation <laughs> for the Blind. 
tell everybody about kind of the history of the National okay. Federation for the Blind, as well as your role and what you do? So in the National Federation of the Blind was founded in 1940. So we um, actually just celebrated the 80th anniversary of the NFB on November 16th, just a couple of days ago. And the National Federation of the Blind was founded by a group of blind people who um, Dr. Jacobus Tenbrook was the founder and he was an attorney and a constitutional scholar. And he recognized that in 1940 that, and you can imagine, obviously, with uh, as blind people or people with disabilities, we face challenges today. But in 1940, there were there were many misconceptions about blindness um, and disability in general. And Dr. Tenbrook knew that he believed that with you know opportunity, you know, if, if someone would give someone a chance, if the if the person had the skills to be competitive for the job or for the opportunity for which they were competing, and if they had, you know, a, a positive outlook and, and other people to, you know, to turn to for questions, that a blind person could compete equally. And so he pulled together a, a group of people from, you know, seven states, and they formed the NFB. And over the 80 years, the organization has grown. Um, we now have affiliates in all states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. And the NFB is really an advocacy group. Um, it's a group where people can turn to for support and questions because when blindness first happens to someone, whether it's a person or maybe some sometimes people in their family, there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of misconceptions. There are a lot of fears and doubts that people have. Um, maybe they don't know any other blind people or they can't imagine doing something without vision. And so that's where the NFB comes in because we have chapters um, in many major cities and towns across the country. Right now, because of the pandemic, a lot of our chapters are meeting virtually. So it's in, um, easy to connect um, where, wherever you live. There's a chapter nearby to connect with. And the, our state affiliates hold conferences each year, and we have a huge national conference every summer. This coming summer, it happens to be um, scheduled to be in the great city of New Orleans. So we're really excited in Louisiana to be the hosts of the upcoming 2021 convention. And so our organization, though, is made up of blind people. It's, it's led by blind people. The policies are developed by blind people. Um, we serve as a resource. We serve as a motivator, uh, we inspire, we welcome, we challenge ourselves as blind people to achieve our dreams and accomplish our goals. We work on legislative issues. Um, we help blind people connect with others. If you're interested in a certain field, we have a lot of different um, divisions that are themed around certain career interests. And so the opportunities in NFB are, are many. Um, it's a great place to make connections, to learn, to challenge yourself, and also to help make systemic change so that society at large realizes that our blindness is just one piece of who we are. So if somebody was to attend one of the National Federation for the Blind, um, you know, one of the conventions, whether it be national or state, what, what would they expect and describe to people what the conventions are Sure. That's a great question. About. So our our conventions are really incredible. They're extremely empowering and inspiring. 
And again, for many people, you might be the only blind person in your workplace or in your school or that you know of in your community. I promise there are others, but sometimes it feels like you might be the only one. So the state conventions are held each year. Each affiliate has their convention once a year. Um, This year, of course, because of the pandemic, we held our national and our state conventions virtually primarily. Uh, we didn't. The pandemic didn't stop us from conducting our business and getting getting the job done. And the conventions are really amazing because they bring together blind people, their families, teachers of blind students, people um, people who are who work in the field of blindness who are just interested in learning more. Bring everybody together for a weekend um, on the state level and for our national conference. Our convention is generally a week long, so. The convention is filled with a lot of information, obviously, lots of presentations about programs that are available, technology that's available, opportunities for learning and growing, different blind people presenting on what types of jobs they do and how they do those jobs, seminars for blind students to be successful in school. The conventions also, in addition to having tons of information, they're also a really great way to network. Um, to find out about job opportunities, to find out about the latest in legislation and technology, to meet other blind people so you don't feel like you're the only person, and also to plan for what's coming up uh, the year ahead. We, The NFB has recently done a great deal of work on voting. We just obviously completed our presidential election, and we wanted to make sure that blind people had full access to voting, so that's been a huge priority. We also have been working on um, legislation that guarantees blind people who are parents um, to protect them from any kinds of misconceptions about a blind person's ability to parent. So we've been working on getting legislation passed in all states that protects blind people so that blindness can't be used as a reason to you know, prevent someone from having custody of children or raising kids. We just released uh, at the beginning of November, opened up applications for our scholarship program. So if anyone who's listening that is blind or you know someone who's blind and going to college or graduate school, that's a great opportunity to to learn to apply for scholarships. And at our state affiliate levels, there are also many state affiliates offer scholarships for anyone who are students. So the conventions are just a time, whether you're a parent of a blind child or a blind person yourself, or you have a blind person in your family and you're just interested in learning more, it's a great way to connect, to find people who believe in the abilities of blind people and who are, it's a positive environment, um, an environment where people are really challenged and inspired and motivated. If somebody out there is blind and they're in need of services like training, or they actually want to become a member of the National Federation mm-hmm. for the Blind, what steps would they need to take to do so, that? So, wonderful question. And I will say, um, you know, I mentioned the Louisiana Center for the Blind, the NFB, a huge priority of our, of our organization since 1940 and to the present and into the future has been to help blind people have access to training. Because when you lose your vision or if you were born blind, and you need, you don't have access to learning the skills that will help make you independent, it can be very frustrating. 
and discouraging. And so that's why the Louisiana Center for the Blind was founded. And our, we have two other centers, one in Colorado, the Colorado Center for the Blind, and one in Minneapolis, Blind Incorporated. And our centers were founded because we know how important training is. So if you're interested in learning more about our programs, you can visit our website at louisianacenter.org. Also, nfb.org is our national website for the National Federation of the Blind. And it lists on there all kinds of information. It has all the information on how to connect with the various state affiliates. So there's, there's information for every state president um, and how to get in touch with them. So if you, regardless of what state in your, you live in, you can find the president and they can let you know in the area in which you live in the state, how to get in touch with people on the local level. Also at nfb.org, we have great publications, um, blogs, a podcast, a monthly magazine called The Braille Monitor. Lots of really great resources for blind people, for blind people and their families, for people who work in the field of blindness and just want to learn more. Um, one of the things we're really working hard on too is there is a huge problem with unemployment or underemployment for people who are blind and we want to change that. So we're always reaching out to potential employers to help them understand that um, blindness shouldn't be a reason not to hire someone on a job or to think that a blind person can't do a job. And so we have lots of great information about employers. We have updates on current legislation and all kinds of resources. And there's a way, if you want to become a member, there's information about how to join as well. Speaking of unemployment, um, for the blind community, how important do you think Braille is or is not for a blind person to get employed? Because, you know, with the technology now, Braille doesn't seem as important to some people, but um, do you think it's important? Uh, why or why not? Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I think it, I think it's incredibly important. And I think I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up because we do get a lot of questions about from people saying, oh, well, do I just, does a blind person really need to learn Braille still? Do I need to learn Braille because of technology? The answer is 100% yes. Uh, actually, research shows that time and time again, that of the blind people who are employed, 90% of them are Braille users. Um, and I will tell you, the sad statistic is that, you know, approximately 70 to 75% of blind people are unemployed or underemployed. So it's, it's startling. It's a lot of work to be done, but of those who are working 90%, as I said, use Braille on a daily basis in their lives. So you can see there's a high connection between people who use Braille and people who are employed. The interesting thing too, um, you mentioned about technology Technology, the great thing about technology it is, it is that it has made Braille more affordable and more accessible. So actually, which is great. And if you can imagine, you know, a sighted person who uses print, if I'm saying, oh, well, you don't need to learn, you know, print anymore. Um, you, you know, a lot of things are voice activated and you have audiobooks. You, you can just rely on that. People would say, oh, that's, that's crazy. So, um, but they often don't think twice about saying that you don't have to learn Braille. Really learning Braille, learning how to read and write and having a way to 
to write down information and to know how to spell and format and um, a way to, you know, also read information and access information, really critical. And no one should be intimidated by learning Braille. Um, you know, there are lots of great resources out there. Again, if you can check out nfb.org, if someone's interested in learning Braille or wants to be connected, you know, with ways to learn Braille, we, that's another great way um, you can find information at nfb.org. And again, um, definitely high, high correlation between the use of Braille and employability. Absolutely. Now talk about what a person can expect if they sign up for a training center and they start doing their training. What are all the things that you guys take them through, including the Mardi Gras and the rock climbing to kind of help them get out of their okay, comfort great. zone. Yeah. So, and I want to mention too, for the vast majority of people, for those um, who are listening, I'm, I'm going to briefly explain a couple quick terms in case you're not familiar, but every, every state has a vocational rehabilitation agency. They're called different things in different states, but the generic term is vocational rehabilitation, which means it's an agency in, in your state that helps someone who has a disability. In this case, we're talking about blindness, um, have access to services, training, and other things that will help them become employed. So coming to the Louisiana Center for the Blind, for example, for a blind person increases, again, our graduates are more likely to be employed than, you know, if they don't have training, because obviously they're they have skills of blindness and they have confidence and problem solving skills. So the training itself is there isn't a cost for training for someone who's blind to come. Um, we serve students 18 and up. We do have programs for youth, uh, for children like teenagers and middle schoolers, primarily during the summer months. So if, if someone has questions about those and we do have programs for seniors and and younger and also young children. So if you have questions about that, those are handled a little bit differently. But our, our main program that we're talking about tonight um, is our six to nine month training program. And our so when someone applies to the center, they will work with a rehabilitation counselor to get the program approved for funding. As I mentioned, the program is generally six to nine months. That can vary depending on the individual, but that's about an average. And the wonderful thing about the program is we mentioned some of the skills, the classes, learning how to travel confidently with the cane, learning how to read braille and to write braille, learning how to use technology. So that all types of technology, we know there are tons of types of technology in the world right now. And so learning how to use technology we have an industrial arts class, which teaches a person how to use different types of tools and um, how to confidently maneuver um, and repair things. And it's a real problem solving and a confidence builder. We also have a living skills class that works on cooking and cleaning and shopping and budgeting. Um, job readiness and college readiness, I mentioned earlier, are other classes. Our program meets, uh, we have classes Monday through Friday, eight to five. We also have a class that focuses on blindness and just developing a good, a solid philosophy about blindness, a positive attitude about it. And you mentioned some of the great confidence building activities we do. We want our students to know that what we're teaching works wherever you are. It doesn't just work in the classroom. It doesn't just work in Ruston. 
it works all over our, our graduates. Um, you're a perfect example, you know, live and work all over the country and all over the world, really. So we know that the skills that they're learning are transferable. So we do different confidence building activities like whitewater rafting and rock climbing and Mardi Gras. Um, we, do, we do different types of activities that allow our students to apply their skills in all types of settings. And so that is a huge confidence builder. Um, we focus a lot on problem solving, which means that, you know, there's not always, you know, there isn't generally just one day, one way to do something. So our students really learn to develop good problem solving skills. If someone has any usable vision, which a lot of blind people for listeners who may not know, you know, many people who are legally blind have some usable vision, but it's, it's a significantly less amount of vision than someone has with 20-20 vision. And so if the person just relies on that minimal vision, it can, it, it often isn't the most efficient way or the best way to get a task done. So we teach non-visual skills so that a person can supplement that little amount of vision they have with non-visual skills and really be more effective and more competent. And those confidence building activities that we mentioned are really important because we know that our students, once they leave training, um, have many goals to achieve and we want them to feel good traveling in familiar and unfamiliar areas. And we want them to feel confident trying new things when those opportunities come along. Absolutely. Talk about the NFB's newsline, what, what that is and, and a way to get signed up and get, you know, questions answered on okay, that Okay, great. So NFB Newsline, I'm really glad you mentioned that. It's a fabulous resource. And we have thousands of subscribers all around the country for NFB Newsline. And it is available. It's a free service available throughout the country. You can check on the specifics in the individual state in which you live. Again, there is information at nfb.org on this. Um, Scott White is our contact at our national office in Baltimore. And NFB Newsline offers hundreds of magazines and newspapers. You can access them via a telephone where you use a touchstone phone to access the newspapers. You can skip around by sentence, by article. You can access NFB Newsline through an app. If you have an iPhone and you, you do it that way, you can also access it online. In addition to the hundreds of magazines and newspapers that are available um, and, a, and a computer voice, if you're using it, you know, listening to it on a phone, reads the articles to you. If you're using an app or you're accessing the articles online, you can read them you know, with a, a text-to-speech uh, engine. And so um, in addition to newspapers and magazines, oh, there, are, there are retail ads like for Target and Walmart. There are TV listings so you can figure out what's on TV, job listings, weather updates, um, KNFB Mobile, which is an optical character recognition, a scanning program is available. Uh, many states um, for their NFB affiliates have an information channel on their state NFB newsline, so they will share information about upcoming events like the state conventions and the national conventions that we talked about earlier or other events that might be happening coming up. And so that's a great way. NFB Newsline also is a really good way to share information 
to connect other resources for blind people that are available in your state. So again, it's a free service and definitely a great source of information. Are there any upcoming product uh, or projects that the Louisiana Center or the NFB are working on that people need to know about? So I think that the great thing is, you know, during this time, um, as we've all been challenged during the pandemic to really stay connected and stay focused, it's easy sometimes to get discouraged and to feel isolated. I think the NFB has been a huge help in that. We've offered many virtual meetings, lots of ways to stay informed and connected throughout this pandemic. So that is a great resource. Uh, The center, I'm really proud to say we have, for a time we delivered our classes virtually when that was necessary based on local recommendations and health and safety guidelines. We're working hard to, we haven't interrupted training to our students throughout. Um, We're taking all the necessary safety precautions and and recommendations to keep our students and staff healthy and well. But we've, and we've learned during this time, it's emphasized how important it is to have strong blindness skills and confidence because we've all had to be very flexible and do a lot of problem solving in the last seven months, especially as situations constantly changed and evolved. And I think um, when you feel confident in yourself and in your skills, it's easier to take on the challenging times when they come, like this pandemic, for example. And for the times when you are feeling, uh, you know, when things seem a little heavy or you're feeling a bit unsure, the great thing about being connected through the center and through the NFB is that you you have a nationwide resource of blind people who believe in you as a blind person. And I think that's been really helpful and really important. Um, We are looking this year coming up in February. Well, let me say first in January, on the first weekend of January, the 9th and 10th, we have our National Association of Blind Students, um, which is a division of the NFB for college students, high school, college, graduate students, is hosting a seminar on making a good first impression on public speaking and how to how to give your best impression. So there's that's a great resource for people if you're interested. Also in February 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, we are virtually hosting our Washington seminar, which is our nationwide legislative seminar when we meet with members of Congress and up, give them information about blindness and ask them to support different legislative issues that we're hoping if we're in this in that will be passed in Congress. So shortly after short, probably in the next few weeks to right after the first of January, we'll be posting on our website, what our legislative issues will be this year, but you can be sure that they'll be about um, advocating for access and for education and for opportunities for blind people, um, for equality for all blind people. So that is a a really good thing coming up. And then our convention is in July, as I mentioned, it's in New Orleans. And so we are working to continue to monitor the situation to see how we will be delivering our convention this year. But I can promise you um, that it's going to be awesome and you will not want to miss it. So please stay tuned to our website. I should also say at the Louisiana Center for the Blind, 
if you have questions about coming for training, if you know someone, if you are, you know, someone who you think would benefit, please reach out to me. Uh, my email address is p allen p a l l e n at louisianacenter.org and i'm happy to help answer any questions or connect you with resources of your local nfb affiliates in your state again we welcome students to the center from all around the country so wherever you're from um, please reach out and i would love be happy to help answer questions and help get you connected also know you even had international students at, at right. a time. We sure do. Is we do. <laughs> we do actually have, on occasion, uh, we're really fortunate to have students from different countries. And for, you know, men in our type of training isn't available in, in most places in the world. And so we always have a lot of um, interest from other countries. I've, I'd also mention too, um, that we, if anybody who's listening or if you know anyone um, that might be interested, the center has a partnership with Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, and we offer several different master's level programs. If someone would like to obtain their master's degree and work in the field of blindness, teaching blind students in public schools or becoming an orientation mobility, a cane travel instructor, or if you would like to be a rehabilitation teacher, meaning teaching technology or braille or living skills to blind people. We have great opportunities and scholarships available to get those degrees through Louisiana Tech and to do internships at the center in Ruston. So that's, that information is also available. It's a really great opportunity. There are lots of jobs in the field of blindness. So it's a great, great place to start a career. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like to cover that we haven't covered? I know. I think I just I want to thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you for the work that you're doing uh, for people help to keep people inspired and motivated. I know that the great thing that I have learned from being part of the NFB is that what the things that I thought were not possible are possible and that it's a really important to remember that blindness can be reduced to just the level of a characteristic. It's not so much our loss of vision. That's the issue. It's the low expectations that society has for us, but by working together through, uh, you know, blind people uniting through the NFB and all of us doing our jobs out in our communities and getting involved in our communities, we can really make a difference and change the attitudes and also just dispel the misconceptions about blindness that are out there. And so I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you tonight. And I'm happy again, please reach out to me if you have questions or if people have resources, need information, very happy to help. Ladies and gentlemen, Pam Allen. Pam, thank you again for joining me. Thanks so much. And listeners, be sure to rate and review the show after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.